Hello and welcome to another episode of the Healthy Hustlers podcast. I'm your host, Madeline Carafa. If you're new here, welcome. The Healthy Hustlers is a series of healthy conversations with influential hustlers, where together we chat health mindset and motherhood. Featuring easy to digest conversations with some of the most successful and influential people in our country, including the likes of Kayla Itzines, Megan Gale, Elise Knowles, Sarah's Day, Mick Banning, and many more, this podcast is sure to give you a boost of healthy enthusiasm to fuel your health and well-being goals. With over 150 episodes for you to enjoy through storytelling, my aim is to offer you a fresh perspective and inspiring insights that will empower you to live a happier, healthier and more fulfilling life. Today's Mama Chat is proudly brought to you by Bubba Bump, a gorgeous family business providing a one-stop shop for not only baby essentials, but also mother's postpartum care needs. Bubba Bump are known and loved for supporting and nurturing both mothers and babies with their gorgeous organic baby wrap carriers, organic baby lounges and essentials while still having a beautiful focus on the postpartum care for mothers. Today, I'm joined by the creator and host of Australian Birth Stories podcast, Sophie Walker. Sophie is the mum to three beautiful boys and the voice and brains behind one of the country's most successful podcast shows. With over 11 million downloads, Sophie, along with her guests, share stories of pregnancy and birth in order to inform, empower and shine light on a diverse range of stories of pregnancy, birth and postpartum. This month, Sophie and her co-author, Jodie, have released their very own book, The Complete Australian Guide to Pregnancy and Birth, a 400-plus page book that documents knowledge, research in different forms of birth, birth care, pregnancy, as well as sharing stories to empower and inspire you along the way. Today, we chat about Sophie's incredible career, her parenting philosophies, her parenting philosophies, and how she juggles a booming business with motherhood. Here's Sophie. Well, hello, Sophie, and welcome to the Healthy Hustlers podcast. It is so exciting to welcome you to my show. Thank you so much for being here. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. It's lovely to be here. It is. I love chatting to you on podcasts and it's so nice to be able to have you on mine. So I'm really excited to yeah, chat all things today, um, your podcast, your new book launch and all things motherhood as well. Um, but I do start these conversations in a really similar way and that's finding out about a self-care practice or a healthy habit that's really helping you and your family at the moment. Um, or something we do that helps the whole family is we always eat dinner together. And we do a thing called Rosebud Thorn. I don't know if you've heard of that. Ooh, um, no. But you go around you go around the table and Ottie is like the dictator of who goes first. Um, so he's my three-year-old. So he says whose turn it is. And you have to say a rose, so something that was really good about your day. A thorn, something that didn't go so well. And the bud is something you're looking forward to. And um, I sort of started it almost tongue in cheek, but now I really look forward to it. And I feel like the kids always come out with something you didn't expect. Like you'll be at the zoo all day and they won't say it was the zoo. It was like one small thing that you did at home. And um, I think it's, yeah, it's good. We're trying to teach them gratitude, but it's kind of got lovely benefits for us all to just really concentrate. 
That's nice. That is so nice. I have never heard that. And I love that. I think especially the different elements of the day, because like it's almost teaching the kids as well, that it's okay to have harder moments in your day as well. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Where did you kind of learn that philosophy or was that something that you just kind of came up with yourself? No, I definitely didn't design it. I'm I'm not even sure where I picked it up. Maybe another mum was talking about doing it. And um, it kind of can feel overwhelming to try and encourage journaling or um, kind of practising gratitude. But I feel like that that's a really easy way. Like even Ottie does it at three and then my nine-year-old does it. And occasionally they're grumpy and they don't want to do it. And we say, okay, you're not doing it tonight. And then we just do somebody else. But we're kind of modelling that rethinking of your day. And it's, um, yeah, it's good for us all to just think about it and um, be sort of appreciate the good bits and the bad bits. Oh, I love that. That's so beautiful. I definitely need to start doing that. I love all of those little practices. It's just, like you said, it's really interesting to see where the kids' minds go as well and what they kind of hold yeah. on to. Yeah. Um, and now can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your beautiful family? Yeah, so I live in Melbourne with my husband, Jonathan, and we've got three kids that are nine, seven and three. I've got three wild boys. Um, they're very wild. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been doing the podcast for um, six and a half years, I think now. Um, but my background is I studied, um, I've got a master's in public health and I studied health science and international relations. And prior to that, primary school teaching. So um, a bit of a mixed bag of, of study that brought me to the podcast. But um, yeah, now I do that full time. That is a mixed bag. Could you have ever imagined like, you know, when you first set out doing your university degrees and that, that this is where you'd be? Like, did you always have kind of a entrepreneurial brain? <laughs> no, not at all. And I still don't feel like I am. I'm really learning the business side of things as I go step by step. But um, no, definitely never even saw myself working for myself. So it's funny where you end up, but I can see where I draw on a lot of the things that I gained from all those different sort of studies and jobs over the years. I was a travel agent at one stage as well. So yeah, it's a funny mix of things, but I feel like the skills from all of those things are, are now, yeah, bringing it together. So it's like, yeah, nothing was kind of wasted, but I got to a strange position, but I don't even think when I went to school or in year 12, there were podcasts. So I couldn't have even dreamt it up if I wanted to. I know, isn't it? It's funny thinking about that, isn't it? Like I often think that with the kids, with Georgia, like because she'll always say, I want to have a podcast show like you, mummy, when I grow up. And I'm like, oh, babe, podcast shows will be well and truly gone by the time you grow up. There'll be something way cooler. But it's so weird to think that like the jobs that they will be doing don't even probably exist right now, just like podcasts didn't for us. So, yeah. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about your podcast. Obviously, I'm sure everyone listening has heard about the Australian Birth Stories podcast, but where did the idea and I guess the concept for it come from? Was there a light bulb moment or? Uh, Sort of, yeah. Well, I had a really harrowing first birth experience. It was sort of 36 hours and um, I ended up having classic cascade of interventions and a hemorrhage and it just was not what I was expecting at all. Mm. And I went in quite thinking I was quite well prepared and excited about birth. Um, Then I immersed myself in birth stories from overseas and read kind of American books and listened to podcasts of English birth stories and um, really felt like that mental shift and gaining of other people's experiences really helped me in my second birth. So Mm. I had a much better, like a five-hour intervention free birth with my second son. And then I was talking to a girlfriend while I was, yeah, it was, I was really grateful and it did, it healed me in a lot of ways from my first birth and um, 
yeah, I trusted my body and my mind and things a lot more. So it was, yeah, it was really pivotal for me, but, um, I still didn't think oh, I'll start a business. I, um, I was working part-time in cancer research and my friend said, oh, you should do your own podcast then if you felt like there wasn't one that kind of had Australian themes and Australian hospitals and things. And um, so I really just started it for fun and I did my birth story and then my sister and some close friends. And then over time I thought, oh, well, if I interview someone who's got a big following on Instagram, then perhaps that'll help me kind of get ahead. And um, that had a huge effect. They, they, most people I approached just, they didn't know me from a bar of soap. They said, sure, I'll share my birth story with you. And then they shared it on their platform. So it grew quite quickly and organically in that first stage. And that was when Instagram was really easy to use and it didn't have Mm. tricks to it. So um, that really helped me grow the audience really quickly and then kind of navigated things from there. Wow. And so who was the first influencer or like, person you reached out to to share a birth story it was Sophie Keisha actually um oh. who I don't know if people know of her they probably do yeah, um, she's been on the she podcast before, the actually. Yummy. Oh, was she the B. young I've forgotten what her young mummy yeah, young, young mummy yeah 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 and she invited me over to her house and we did it in person and she was really generous and um just she sort of said oh I just did an interview with Sophie and tagged me and then when I ran the story she ran it again and I kind of tripled my audience just in hers um, yeah, so I felt very lucky. It's interesting because I feel like people now say they've done my podcast and it's had an enormous effect for their business. And so mm. it's nice to kind of pay that forward. And I sometimes I forget that as well. So yeah, it's yeah, nice absolutely. to help people out in that way. Yeah, definitely. And it's sometimes you don't realize like the impact that it can have, you know, like when you're in the doing, um, you know, I even said to you at the start of this episode, like I've received so many beautiful messages since sharing Rocco's birth story, which has been like, just it's so beautiful like when you you offer space to people to share you know some really vulnerable and raw moments um and it's such a privilege to be able to share a story on such a huge platform you know and so you really are giving people such a beautiful opportunity and and like for me sharing my story with you was came with a bit of healing as well like to move through some of the things that I was holding on to so yeah, you're doing incredible things in the world. And I honestly don't know a single person who doesn't know your podcast. <laughs> so um, it's it's awesome. It's so, so cool what you've been doing. And since that, you've obviously just recently launched your new book, The Complete, sorry, I'm just going to, I don't want to say this wrong, The Complete Australian Guide to Pregnancy and Birth. Absolutely amazing. I got a copy in the mail the other day. Thank you so much. Tell us about the journey, writing a book, launching a book, all the things. Yeah, so I met Jodie, who I've co-written the book with. Um, I interviewed her on the podcast just remotely. She was travelling around Australia. And then um, we quickly became friends and then she ended up working on Australian Birth Stories with me. And um, she writes up the show notes and helps me with Instagram posts and things like that. And um, she'd written her own book um, through Murdoch and then we ended up writing our book with Murdoch. And she's like, let's pitch it to them because... um, there's really not a book that everyone was asking me throughout sort of DMs and emails and things. What book should I read while I'm preparing? And there are a lot of good books out there, but there wasn't kind of a an all-encompassing book that was for anyone who wanted to have, say, an elective cesarean or a home birth. It felt like if you wanted to have a home birth, there are certain books just aimed at that, yes. or there's certain books that are just for active kind of physio-led um, birthing skills, but there wasn't one that kind of covered everything. And I felt like mm-hmm. a lot of people were going to a Um, an American one that's quite popular and that didn't reference our hospital system or 
our healthcare methods and sort of Centrelink and Medicare and how to navigate things. So we thought we really wanted to make an Australian one that was relevant for our audience. And then we've taken sort of input from perinatal health experts together with birth stories from the podcast and woven it all together to try and make um, like it's big, it's 432 pages, but we really wanted to make it kind of user friendly. Yeah. But um, we've broken it up into sort of chunks and different stories and first-hand experiences so it's not so overwhelming, but you can still gain that knowledge. So we really hope we've achieved that. Oh, amazing. It's seriously, when I got the copy, so I'm not going to lie, I was like, oh my goodness, where did you find the time to do this? Because <laughs> it's like a Bible. When you said it's big, I'm like, yeah. it's so big. I was like just blown away at the thought of like all of your notes and all of the time that you would have spent like – piling all of this together it's absolutely incredible what you've done so yeah I I know it'll be so like such a huge success and something you know at all obviously a lot of women needed and wanted so congratulations on that where can um, people get a copy where can they get their hands on it yeah it's available in all bookstores now you can get it online um, through my website at australianbirthstories.com and um, yeah, pretty much every good bookshop should be stocking it. And if they're not, you should ask them. <laughs> yeah, you should tell them to get it in. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Um, now, I'd love to know, you know, your journey of becoming a mum. You obviously, you know, you said you had quite a, a traumatic first birth um, and then did a lot of work to, to have the second. You've got now got three beautiful boys. What would you say has been one of the biggest changes in you since life before kids to life now with kids? Um, yeah, it's interesting. I think I've had to learn. I've kind of really thought about myself now more recently uh, over the age of 40. I think I've reflected more, but I think I really acknowledge that I need a lot of time to myself and I enjoy just my mm. own company. And it's hard, really hard to be a parent and have those feelings because, um, is that Rocco over here? No, no, no. <laughs> Sorry, I just wrote my nose. No, you're fine. Yeah, you're fine. <laughs> um, yeah, it's hard to carve out space for yourself in a busy household with everybody's needs. So I found that hard and I have to just kind of, I've learned more recently that I need to honour that, that that's part of me and that's what I need. Um, and I do just get overwhelmed, overwhelmed sensory, in a sensory way. My husband's got ADHD and he likes to kind of come into the kitchen, put music on, have the kids tearing around, start making pancakes. And I just find that really triggering. So yeah. we, we are trying to now really respect each other's kind of differences as people in our own right within the family dynamic. And I feel like we're more perhaps we're more mindful of that because he's been diagnosed with ADHD and now I, I say, well, I accept that you're like the way that you are. You need to really accept that I'm the way that I am. But yeah. finding kind of your identity again in the busyness of a family setting is, um, yeah, it's hard, but you really need to do it. It's so important. Yeah, it really is. But it is, it is a real journey, isn't it, to find that? And I think sometimes to drop that guilt as a mum to like allow yourself to have that time and to know you deserve that time. Was that a big part of it for you too? Like really just working through that? Yeah. And I feel like we talk very openly to the kids about that. I like, cause I, you know what kids are like with yours. I'm sure they're like, just demand a drink. I want to drink right now. And I, and um, we're, we're really trying to say, I know you're really thirsty. I'm actually just making dinner. So if you wait two minutes, then I'll get a drink for you. Or I've 
mummy needs to go to the toilet too. So now we need to wait for mummy to do that and try and verbalize that stuff as well so that they can see that you're not there just to serve them. Although I do Mm. often say I'm not your slave, (laughs) but I'm trying to model that I have my own needs and we all have our own needs and wants as people and we have to try and respect that because we have a lot of kind of sibling fighting and I feel like if we can all model that, um, hopefully we can decrease that, the the tension and the the energy. And so that time to yourself, like what does that often look like? Do you get outside of the house in nature or do you have kind of a little go-to ritual that you like to use? Yeah, I try and go to Pilates. I love reformer Pilates and I've rented one to do at home, but it's not the same if I put it in my office and the kids come in and then they fiddle with the cords and like, it just is like not relaxing. And I was chatting to another mum the other day and she said, sometimes I just go to the gym and sit there and like, I'm just in the quiet. And I said, you really need, I feel like you really need that to compartmentalize like this is my time and I said that's probably just great for your mental health even if you don't use the equipment but um yeah so working working out from home doesn't work (laughs) that's so good (laughs) that was a very famous journalist said that to me so that was funny (laughs) (laughs) there you go oh that's awesome no yeah I can imagine like working out at home is I totally get it it's not for me at all so yeah, yeah, I know. I, I see all those videos of mums holding toddlers and doing squats and stuff, but I just can't get into that. I get irritated by it. I'm like, this is my time. So, yeah. um, and I'm very slack with, um, we have on a Sunday morning, a bunch of school mums that live in our street, we all go for a big walk. And, um, and I try and prioritize that on a Sunday too, because we catch up and then also do like an hour and a half exercise. So those sorts of oh, things I try so and nice. fit in when I can. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That sense of community there as well. That's really nice to, to have yeah. that. Yeah. And do you talk mum things or do you try to like avoid the kid chat? <laughs> um, oh, we do a bit of both. I feel like we are all like, we talk about like perimenopausal things and then we mix it up with, oh, was our son, was my son fighting with your son last week? What happened with that? <laughs> um, <laughs> we've all got boys, so it's funny, um, but it's nice. So we do, we mix it up and we get coffee on the way. So I feel like we tick a few boxes on that walk. Oh, I love that. That's so nice. Such a nice little ritual to have. And what yeah. would you say your parenting style or kind of philosophy is when it comes to, to mothering and parenting the kids? Um, I'm very much kind of attachment parenting if you wanted to put me in a model I think my mum's a psychologist and so we've grown up with kind of a real understanding of how important the first five years are and she's offered to I feel really blessed in the same way that you have I've had um, plenty of family support so they've been able to look after my kids for the first few years like a couple of days a week which I know Mm -hmm. is the dream for a lot of people and my mum lives walkable distance from my house so we see her most days um, oh, or her so nice. partner, he drops in. Yeah, we're very, very lucky. And I saw a meme the other day. The only hack to um, to parenting is to live close to your parent, to, to your parents. I think it's like, yeah, if you can do that, I think that's a great. Oh, you have to so have a good true. relationship as well. But so oh, I always try to try to convince my mother-in-law to move in with us. I'm like, there's always a room. You're more than welcome. <laughs> it's not too close for me. <laughs> I know. Um, they just love them the same way that you do. And uh, oh, yeah, so totally. super lucky. Yeah, um, yeah, I love that. So I guess attachment parenting, like I guess for anyone that's maybe new to that that thought or that um, philosophy, how would you say you kind of model that and use that with the kids? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't looked at that definition lately. That's what springs to mind. I mean, we co-sleep, so I sleep with, um, Otty still sleeps with me, which I love and I hate, kind of. I stayed in a hotel the other day and I was like, yes, I got the whole bed. And then I was like, oh, I'm so used to actually having him there. Um, We often, we got a king-size bed so we can fit more bodies in, more or less, but my husband usually sleeps in Otty's bed and Otty sleeps with me. Um, Love that. And I've breastfed all the boys too. I've been lucky in my breastfeeding journey. I've breastfed them all till two. So that's kind of also fed into the the co-sleeping. The big two don't sleep with me anymore. So I'm quite ready probably to get Otty out of the bed, but um, I'm also a bit lazy for change. So yeah, yeah, we're kind of open in that way. And um, yeah, I say he's weaned. I weaned him at two, but he still like sleeps with his hand down my shirt. So I don't know if that's officially (laughs) weaned or not. And um, he just tries to do it in cafes and things still, and I'm like, not in public. People think we're odd. (laughs) They're still there. Save that for home. (laughs) So he's very attached. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's so. Do you know what? It's really funny because when I first read this philosophy of well, the word attachment parenting, and I was like, attachment parenting. And I remember like googling it and reading about it and thinking, isn't that just parenting? Like, it was so weird for me that this word of attachment had been put on what I would say is a very normal parenting style or what I would think is how you raise children. And I know everyone's everyone's entitled to do things their own way and there's no right or wrong. But for me, when I read it, I was like, well, that would just be a natural state of how I believe to parent my children. And I find it really funny that we have to put these yeah words on you know attachment yeah labels yeah Yeah, onto something because yeah like Georgia is definitely like she's basically doesn't let anyone do anything for her except for me the kindergarten teachers was like hell yeah have fun with her (laughs) because everything's (laughs) just mum 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 but like you know I just feel like she's three like that's I'm there you're their world Today's Mama Chat is proudly brought to you by Bubba Bump. If there was one thing I learned the hard way after becoming a mum for the first time was how important it is to nurture yourself during the early stages of the postpartum journey. First time around, I put such a huge emphasis on my pregnancy journey, but then completely neglected my body and health once Bubba arrived. I promised myself I would never let that happen second time around. So this pregnancy, I've had a huge focus on preparing myself for the postpartum journey, a time to nurture both mum and baby. I was thrilled to stumble across Bubba Bump on Instagram, a gorgeous family business providing a one-stop shop for not only baby essentials, but also mother's postpartum care needs. Bubba Bump are known and loved for supporting and nurturing both mother and baby with their gorgeous organic baby wrap carriers, organic baby lounges, and baby essentials, while still having a beautiful focus on the postpartum care for mothers. Bubba Bump's labour prep and postpartum recovery kits aim to help ease the unexpected pain and discomfort that follows on from having a baby. They're available in vaginal and C-section options with the aim of catering to and nurturing all mothers. I personally love the idea of the kits as it takes the stress and pressure away from knowing what you'll need post-birth. 
You can check out Bubba Bump's full range of baby essentials and mother's postpartum care by visiting bubbabumpbaby.com.au or simply clicking the link in the show notes of this episode. And I guess, so if you're obviously a working mum, you're doing the podcast, the book, like you just said, you're, you've got three kids at home as well. How do you juggle it all? How do you, how do you, how do you make it all work? Um, I've been working a lot more the last six months and the only way I've been able to do that is my husband's been um, a stay-at-home dad. So he's a primary school teacher and um, he just reached a point where we both decided it was best for him and his mental health room to take a break. And I said, well, you just do the kids and I'll do the working um, rather than me kind of stretching things thin. And I think, as you know, running your own business, there's always things you want to do. And you think when I've got time, I'm going to totally fix that <laughs> whole area of my business up. Um, so I feel like I have had a lot more time to do that, but then you have more time and then you busy yourself. Like you just fill it up, don't you? So yeah. um, I probably haven't achieved those, that list, but um, yeah, it's been really nice to have that shift. And then, but we still kind of are seesawing on, on how we do that and um mm-hmm. he's he calls himself the house manager and yet he's not very good at the house stuff he's <laughs> more taken to being garden manager and I'm like that's great but we need to do the dishes and the food shopping um so we're still finding our feet and he loves to just do everything at the last minute I'm like school starts in five minutes and we live walking distance and he's like yeah so I'll leave in two minutes and I'm like oh I find that so stressful I'm an early person so but I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'll just go to the office. So I've just recently <laughs> built an office in the garden and I kind of just have to not see him do it. Um, and then that's less stressful. Um, so with that. lunches, he does weird lunches and I'm like, that's fine. You do it. I'm not watching because I know they're not going to eat that, but you learn the hard way. <laughs> Trust know, in these fancy just, things. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you just have to like, my husband always says to me, if you want me to help Maddie, don't micromanage me. And I'm like, okay, you just have to like step yeah. back and let them go. But it's a hard pill to swallow as well <laughs> when you've been like. Yeah, and there's more than yeah. one way to do it. And it's good for the yeah. kids to see that too. So that's true. That's such a good way of looking at it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I would love to know what's been kind of one of the best pieces of mum advice that you've been given or something that's just really stuck with you throughout your mothering journey. I think what's really helped me, and I probably learned it more with my second child, was um, to have less things on your to-do list. Like if I kind of used to get badgered by, I want to go to the post office and then I want to take you to out for coffee and then we're visiting someone or something, I feel like then you get rattled trying to do all of the things. And um, if you just have one task, then you can usually get that done and then you feel satisfied. And um, so I kind of joke that it's like lowering your expectations, but putting less pressure on yourself. And then if you get two things done, that's great. But if you kind of aim to just get one, um, I think that's better because it's so unpredictable, the early days of motherhood. And with the toddler in tow, they set you right back usually. Um, Otty's at the stage where he dictates like what time I take my seatbelt off and which door gets opened first. So really slows us down. Is Georgia doing that? Oh my goodness. Her yeah, I was just going to say, him and Georgia would get along very well. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. Like, it's actually, who ever thought, like, three-year-olds could just be so powerful? I always joke to Ryan, like, I never thought my rule, my world would be ruled by a three-year-old, but here I am. <laughs> just, like, everything. 
Oh, to the point where I, I say to the boys, like, just give him whatever he wants because I can't listen to him scream right now. So what does he want? He wants Bluey on. Everybody put Bluey on. We're watching Bluey. Um, yeah, it's probably not setting a good example, but I think that's the child life. Like, don't, oh, don't totally. poke the bear. <laughs> How do the, boy, the older boys go with that? Like, are they kind of really accepting of it or is it? Yeah, I think there's, um, they both love Ottie, but they don't love each other as much. So they almost, um, which is interesting dynamic for me because I've grown up with just one sister, but three is a different ball game. I feel like they both love him, but, but fight over one another and try and get Ottie in the middle of them. Like, oh, come and do this with me to, in spite of the other one and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's rare that they're all playing together, but, um, yeah, yeah, they're up and down. I love that. That's so funny. And I guess raising boys, like what's been kind of a big lesson or, you know, advice that's helped you in that? Because like I've got a girl and boy now, so I'm like, whoa, the difference is like actually really crazy. And so I can't even imagine like, yeah, the learning and development side of things as well. But has there been something that's yeah. helped you? Um, I think it's, it's helped that all my friends have got boys, like just coincidentally. And I feel like then when you bring them round, and it feels stereotypical to say that they're more noisy and rowdy, but in my experience, the circle of the young boys I'm with, they are a bit more daring and a bit rougher and things like that. And I don't want to get into that mindset of boys will be boys and letting them get away with rough play unnecessarily. But it does feel like there's a different energy and um, it feels like almost a relief if you're having a play date with another boy mum because there's a bit more of a like, oh, you kind of get this. And in saying <laughs> that, my sister's got a son who is so quiet and it doesn't like rough play and their house is just has a totally different sort of feng shui atmosphere <laughs> compared to mine to the point where we don't really holiday together at our family beach house because our energy is too much for them. <laughs> so um, so it's perhaps not just a boy thing, but... um. Yeah, I, I guess I haven't had a daughter, so I don't really know the difference. I can only reflect on like my growing up with a sister, but my mum says you girls just weren't like this. <laughs> so, yeah. Do you know? I often think though, parents must look back with rose-coloured glasses because mum always says to me, like with Georgia, she's got like big emotion, like she's very emotional, three-year-old, um, and very demanding, <laughs> and like in you know, and I, foster, you know, I. I I try to foster that because I'm like, well, they all lead to, you know, great qualities as well in, in exactly. later in life. Um, and I hated yep. being told that I was like bossy and stuff like that because I'm like, well, being a boss and having boss, you know, character characteristics is good in life as you get older. Yeah. So but mum always says to me, oh, you were never this emotional or you were never like this. And I was like, I'm sure I probably was. You just can't really remember. Yeah. That's true. It's hard to reflect back a few years now with the sleep deprivation. So I think they're fondly recalling it. Yeah, absolutely. I think my my, um, husband's also an only child. So I think a lot of sibling dynamics he doesn't quite get. And I'm like, don't go to the Uh, shop and buy one child one thing. You have to get three at all times. Like, and just like, he's like, no. And I said, yes, for the piece you do. definitely definitely I can imagine they need to be the same color as well yeah yes same size same shape everything exactly the same so true and Sophie what is ahead in the future what does the future hold for you and the Australian birth stories podcast and your incredible work that you do in this world well, I was hoping after the book launch to have a little bit of a rest after a busy few years, but um, now we've got great plans. Um, I feel like there's there's over um, there's over five thousand applications to come on the show, and they've got these incredibly data rich kind of contributions, and I'd love to channel that 
into kind of more meaningful statistics so we can help advocate for um, more policy change because me just saying I've got this lovely collection of birth stories doesn't really make much of a wave in in parliament so if we can hopefully yeah. collate that together into something meaningful and then kind of demonstrate that we need more funding or encourage more people to study midwifery and obstetrics and we need better facilities and things like that if I can demonstrate that with numbers um, I think that'll be really beneficial and it feels like a kind of a duty of care with all this um, people have entrusted me with all this knowledge and um, so I want to pass it on and hopefully make things a bit better amazing that is so incredible I actually can't believe you have 5,000 applications to the podcast that's that definitely shows that you're on the right path doing something pretty amazing I would say <laughs> yeah and I think people want to give back they've taken away so much from the podcast they want to contribute so it's lovely yeah, absolutely. No, it's absolutely incredible what you're doing. So thank you. Hey, I know I've got a little visitor here. He wants to be on the microphone. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing all of your knowledge and wisdom and just motherhood philosophies. I so appreciate your time and just wishing you the very best um, with the continued book launch. I hope that it just keeps doing as amazing as it already is. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review. For any products mentioned in today's show, please check the show notes below and hit the direct links. If you'd like to suggest a future guest, please follow at The Healthy Hustlers on Instagram and send through a direct message. Until next week, don't forget to invest in you.